Today's episode of The Partially Examined Life is sponsored by GiveWell. Maximize the power of your charitable contributions at givewell.org. This episode is sponsored by ZocDoc. ZocDoc makes it easy to find quality doctors in your network and in your neighborhood. Visit ZocDoc.com P-E-L. Hey, it's time for part two, which means acts four and five of the Partially Examined Life Players unrehearsed read-through of Shakespeare's Timon of Athens. And before we start, I want to thank Jonathan Sagal for doing the music for this. He did significant research to try to make music that was appropriate to ancient Athens. I will take his word for it. Jay, you ready to have a whole scene to yourself? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) It's only a page. The roll's a heavy lift. That's why you're here, buddy. We start Act 4, Scene 1. Timing is by himself. Take it, Jay. Let me look back upon thee. Oh, thou wall that girdles in those wolves, dive in the earth and fence not Athens. Matrons turn incontinent. Obedience fail in children. Slaves and fools pluck the grave-wrinkled senate from the bench and minister in their steads. To general filths convert the instant green virginity. Do it in your parents' eyes. Bankrupts, Hold fast rather than render back. Out with your knives and cut your trusters' throats. Bound servants, steal. Large-handed robbers your grave-masters are and pill by law. Made to thy master's bed, thy mistress is in the brothel. Son of sixteen, pluck the lined crutch from thy old limping sire, with it beat out his brains. Piety and fear, religion to the gods, peace, justice, truth, domestic awe, night rest and neighborhood, instruction, manners, mysteries and trades, degrees, observances, customs and laws. Decline to your confounding contraries, and yet confusion live. Plagues incident to men, your potent and infectious fevers heap on Athens, ripe for stroke. Thou cold sciatica, cripple our senators, that their limbs may halt as lamely as their manners. Lust and liberty creep in the minds and marrows of our youth that against the stream of virtue they may strive and drown themselves in riot. Itches, blains, so all the Athenian bosoms and their crop by general leprosy. Breath, infect breath, that their society as their friendship may be nearly poisoned. Nothing I'll bear from thee but nakedness, thou detestable town. Take thou that, too, 
with multiplying bands. Timon will to the woods, where he shall find unkindest beast more kinder than mankind. The gods confound! Hear me, you good gods all! The Athenians both within and out that wall! And grant, as Timon grows, his hate may grow to the whole race of mankind, high and low. Amen. He exits. A little bit later, enter the steward, Flavius, with some servants. Here, you master steward. Where's our master? Are we undone? Cast off? Nothing remaining? Alack, my fellows, what should I say to you? Let me be recorded by the righteous gods. I am as poor as you. Such a house broke, no noble master fallen, or gone and not one friend to take his fortune by his arm and go along with him. As we do turn our backs from our companions thrown into his grave, so his familiars to his buried fortune slink all away, leave their false vows with him, like empty purses picked and his poor self a dedicated beggar to the air, with his disease of all shunned poverty, walks like contempt alone. More of our fellows. All broken implements of a ruined house. Yet do our hearts wear Timon's livery? That see I by our faces, we are fellows still, serving alike in sorrow. Leaked is our bark, and we, poor mates, stand on the dying deck, hearing the surge's threat. We must all part into the sea of air. Good fellows all, the latest of my wealth I'll share amongst you. Wherever we shall meet, for time and sake, let's yet be fellows. Let's shake our heads and say, as t'were a knell unto our master's fortunes, we have seen better days. Let each take some. N- nay, put out all your hands. H- here's money. Not one word more. Thus part we, rich in sorrow, parting poor. They all hug, parting several ways. Oh, the fierce wretchedness that glory brings us. Who would not wish to be from wealth exempt, since riches point to misery and contempt? Who would be so mocked with glory, or to live but in a dream of friendship? To have his pomp and all that state compounds, but only painted like his varnished friends? Poor honest lord, brought low by his own heart, undone by goodness. Strange, unusual blood, when man's worst sin is he does too much good. Who then dares to be half so kind again? For bounty that makes gods does still mar men. My dearest Lord, blessed to be most accursed, rich only to be wretched, thy great fortunes are made thy chief afflictions. Alas, kind lord, he's flung in rage from this ingrateful seat of monstrous friends, nor has he with him to supply his life for that which can command it. I'll follow and inquire him out. I'll ever serve his mind with my best will. Whilst I have gold, I'll be his steward still. He exits. Now we're to Act 4, Scene 3. We're going to spend some time in the woods now. Timon was was angry at this uh, ingratitude among all his friends. After serving them a bunch of stones, he's now uh, run off to the woods. And here he is. Oh, blessed breathing sun, draw from the earth rotten humidity. 
Below thy sister's orb infect the air. Twinned brothers of one womb whose procreation, residence, and birth scarce is dividend, touch them with several fortunes. The greater scorns the lesser. Not nature, to whom all sores lay siege, can bear great fortune but by contempt of nature. Raise me this beggar, and denight that lord. The senators shall bear contempt hereditary. The beggar, native honor. It is the pasture lards the beggar's sides, the want that makes him lean. Who dares, who dares in purity of manhood stand upright and say, This man's a flatterer? If one be, so are they all. For every grease of fortune is smoothed by that below. The learned pate ducks to the golden fool. All's oblique. There's nothing level in our cursed natures but direct villainy. Therefore be abhorred all feasts, society, and throngs of men. His assemblage, yea, himself, time and disdains. Destruction, frang, mankind. Earth, yield me roots. Who seeks for better of thee, sauce his palate with thy most operant poison. What is here? Gold? Yellow? Glittering? Precious gold? No, gods! I am no idle votress. Roots, you clear heavens! Thus much of this will make black, white, foul, fair, wrong, right, base, noble, Old, young, coward, valiant. Ha! <laughs> you gods, why this? What this, you gods? Why this? Will lug your priests and servants from your sides, pluck stout men's pillows from below their heads. This yellow slave will knit and break religions. Bless the accursed, make the whore leprosy adored, place thieves and give them title, knee, and approbation with senators on the bench. This is it that makes the wappened widow wed again, she whom the spittlehouse and ulcerous sores would cast the gorge at, this embalms and Spices to the April day again. Come, damned earth, thou common whore of mankind that puts odds among the root of nations. I will make thee do thy right nature. Ha! A drum! Not quick. But yet I'll bury thee again. Thou go, strong thief, when gouty keepers of thee cannot stand. Nay, stay thou out for earnest. Enter Alcibiades with drum and fife in warlike manner, and Phrymia in Tamandria. What art thou there? Speak! 
a beast thou art, a canker gnaw thy heart for showing me again the eyes of man. What is thy name? Is man so hateful to thee thou art thyself a man? I am misanthropos, and hate mankind. For thy part I do wish thou wert a dog, and I might love thee something. I know thee well, but in thy fortunes am unlearned and strange. I know thee too, and more than that I know thee, I not desire to know. Follow thy drum, with man's blood paint the ground. Jewels, jewels, religious cannons, civil laws are cruel. Then what should war be? This fell whore of thine hath in her more destruction than thy sword, for all her cherubin look. Thy lips rot off. I will not kiss thee. Then the rot returns to thine own lips again. How came the noble time into this change? As the moon does, by wanting light to give. But then renew I could not like the moon. There were no sons to borrow of. Noble Timon, what friendship may I do thee? None, but to maintain my opinion. What is it, Timon? Promise me friendship, but perform none. Thou wilt not promise the gods plague thee, for thou art a man. If thou dost perform, confound thee, for thou art a man. I have heard in some sort of thy miseries. Thou sawest them when I had prosperity. I see them now. Then was a blessed time. As thine is now held with a brace of harlots... Is this the Athenian minion whom the world voiced so regardfully? Art thou Tamandra? Yes! Be a whore still. They love thee not that use thee. Give them diseases, leaving with thee their lust. Make use of thy salt hours. Season the slaves for tubs and baths. Bring down rose-cheeked youth to the tub fast and the diet. Hang thee, monster. Pardon him, sweet Tamandra, for his wits are drowned and lost to his calamities. I have but little gold of late, brave Taman. The want whereof doth daily make revolt in my penurious end. I have heard and grieved how cursed Athens, mindless of thy worth, forgetting thy great deeds when neighbor states, but for thy sword and fortune trod upon them. I prithee beat thy drum and get thee gone. I am thy friend, and pity thee, dear Timon. How dost thou pity him thou dost trouble? I'd rather be alone. I fare thee well. Here is some gold for thee. Keep it. I cannot eat it. When I have laid proud Athens on a heap... Warst thou gainst Athens? Aye, Timon, and have cause... Confound them all in thy conquest, and thee after when thou hast conquered. Why me, Timon? That by killing villains thou wast born to conquer my country. Put up thy gold. No, go on. Here's gold. Go on. Be as a planetary 
plague when Jove will o'er some high-viced city hang his poison in the sick air. Let not thy sword skip one. Pity not honoured age for his white beard. He is a usurer. Strike me the counterfeit matron. It is her habit only that is honest. Herself's a bawd. Let not the virgin's cheek make soft thy trenchant sword, for those milk paps that through the window bars bore at men's eyes are not within the leaf of pity writ, but set them down horrible traitors. Spare not the babe whose dimpled smiles from fools exhaust their mercy. Think it a bastard whom the oracle hath doubtfully pronounced the throat shall cut and mince it sans remorse. Swear against objects, put armor on thine ears and on thine eyes, whose proof nor yells of mothers, maids, nor babes, nor sight of priests in holy vestments bleeding shall pierce a jot. There's gold to pay thy soldiers. Make large confusion, and thy fury spent Confounded be thyself. Speak not, be gone. Hast thou gold yet? I'll take the gold thou givest me, not all thy counsel. Dost thou, or dost thou not? Heaven's curse upon thee. Give us some gold, good Tymon. Hast thou more? Enough to make a whore forswear her trade and to make whores abroad. Hold up, you sluts. <laughs> Your aprons mountained. You are not oathable. Although I know you'll swear, terribly swear, into strong shudders and to heavenly agues, the immortal gods that hear you, spare your oaths. I'll trust to your conditions. Be whores still, and he whose pious breath seeks to convert you, be strong in whore, allure him, burn him up. Let your close fire predominate his smoke, and be no turncoats. You may your pain six months be quite contrary, and thatch your poor thin roofs with burdens of the dead, some that were hanged, no matter. Wear them, betray them, whore still. Paint till a horse may mire upon your face a pox of wrinkles. Well, more gold. What then? Believe it, that will do anything for gold. Consumptions sow in hollow bones of men, strike their sharp skins and mar men's spurring, crack the lawyer's voice, that he may never more false title plead, nor sound his quillets shrilly. Whore the flamen that scolds against the quality of flesh and not believes himself. Down with the nose, down with it flat. Take the bridge quite away of him that his particular to foresee smells from the general wheel. Make curled pate ruffians bald and let the unscarred braggarts of the war devise some pain from you. Plague all, that your activity may defeat and quell the source of all erection. There's more gold. Do you damn others and let this 
damn you and ditches grave you all. More council with more money. Bounty is time and... More horror! More mischief first! I've given you earnest. Strike up the drum towards Athens. Farewell, Timon. If I thrive well, I'll visit thee again. If I hope well, I'll never see thee more. I never did thee harm. Yes, thou spokest well of me. Callest thou that harm? Men daily find it. Get thee away, and take thy beagles with thee. We but offend him. Strike! All exit but Timon. That nature, being sick of man's unkindness, should yet be hungry. Common mother, thou whose womb unmeasurable and infinite breast teems and feeds all whose self-same metal whereof thy proud child arrogant man is puffed, engenders the black toad and adder blue, the gilded newt and eyeless venomed worm with all their horrid births below crisp heaven whereon Hyperion's quickening fire doth shine. Yield him! who all thy human sons do hate, from forth thy plenteous bosom, one poor root, and sear thy fertile and conceptuous womb, let it no more bring out ingrateful man. Go great with tigers, dragons, wolves, and bears, Team with new masters whom upon thy face hath to the marbled mansion all above never presented. Oh, a root. Dear, thanks. Dry up thy marrow's vines and plough-torn lees, whereof in grateful man with licorice draughts and morsels unctuous greases his poor mind that from it all consideration slips. Enter Epimantus. More men? Plague! Plague! I was directed hither, men report. Thou dost affect my manners, and dost use them. Tis then, because thou dost not keep a dog whom I would imitate. Consumption catch thee. Ah. This is in thee a nature but infected, a poor unmanly melancholy sprung from change of fortune. Why this spade, this place, this slave-like habit, and these looks of care? Thy flatterers yet wear silk, drink wine, lie soft, hug their diseased perfumes, and have forgot that ever time in was. Shame not these woods by putting on the cunning of a carper, be thou a flatterer now, and seek to thrive by that which has undone thee. Hinge thy knee, and let his very breath whom thou'll observe blow off thy cap. Praise his most vicious strain, and call it excellent. Thou wast told thus. Thou gavest thine ears like tapsters that bade welcome to knaves and all approachers. Tis most just that thou turn rascal. Hadst thou wealth again, rascals should have it. Do not assume my likeness. Were I like thee, I'd throw away myself. 
Thou hast cast away thyself, being like thyself. A madman so long, now a fool. What? Thinks that the bleak air, thy boisterous chamberlain, will put thy shirt on warm? Will these moist trees that have outlived the eagle page thy heels and skip when thou point'st out? Will the cold brook, candied with ice, coddle thy morning taste to cure thy o'ernight surfeit? Call the creatures whose naked natures live in all the spite of reekful heaven, whose bare unhoused trunks to the conflicting elements exposed answer mere nature. Bid them flatter thee. Oh, thou shalt find. A fool of thee, depart. I love thee better now than e'er I did. I hate thee worse. Why? Thou flatterest misery. I flatter not, but say thou art a caitiff. Why dost thou seek me out? To vex thee. Oh, as a villain's office or a fool's? Dost please thyself it? Aye. What, a knave too? If thou didst put this sour, cold habit on to castigate thy pride, twere well. But thou dost it inforcibly. Thou'dst courtier be again, wert thou not beggar. Willing misery outlives in certain pomp, is crowned before. The one is filling still, never complete, the other at high wish. Best state, contentless, hath a distracted and most wretched being, worse than the worst, content. Thou shouldst desire to die, being miserable. Not by his breath that is more miserable. Thou art a slave whom fortune's tender arm with favor never clasped but bred a dog. Hadst thou like us, from our first swath proceeded, the sweat degrees that this brief world affords to such as may the passive drugs of it freely command, thou wouldst have plunged thyself in general riot, melted down thy youth in different beds of lust, and never learned the icy precepts of respect but followed the sugared game before thee. But myself, who had the world as my confectionery, the mouths, the tongues, the eyes, the hearts of men, that duty more than I could frame employment, that numberless upon me stuck as leaves do on the oak, have with one winter's brush fell from their boughs and left me open, bare for every storm that blows, I to bear this that never knew but better is some burden. Thy nature did commence in sufferance, time hath made thee hardened. Why shouldst thou hate men? They never flattered thee. What hast thou given? If thou wilt curse thy father, that poor rag, must be thy subject, who in spite put stuff to some she-beggar and compounded thee, poor rogue hereditary. And speak on. If thou hadst been born the worst of men, thou hadst been a knave and flatterer. Art thou proud yet? Aye. That I am not thee. I, that I was no prodigal. I, that I am one now.
Were all the wealth I have shut up in thee, I'd give thee leave to hang it. Get thee gone. That the whole life of Athens were in this, thus I would eat it. Here I will mend thy feast. First mend my company, take away thyself. So I shall mend mine own by the lack of thine. Tis not well mended so, but it is botched. If not, I would it were. What wouldst thou have to Athens? Thee thither in a whirlwind. If thou wilt, tell them there I have gold. Look, so I have. Here is no use for gold. The best and truest. For here it sleeps and does no hired harm. Where liest a night's time in? Under that's above me. Where feedst thou a days, Epimantus? Where my stomach finds meat, or rather where I eat it. Would poison were obedient to knew my mind. Where wouldst thou send it? To sauce thy dishes. <laughs> the middle of humanity thou never knewest, but the extremity of both ends. When thou wast in thy guilt and thy perfume, they mocked thee for too much curiosity. In thy rags thou knowst none, but art despised for the contrary. There's a medlar for thee. Eat it. On what I hate, I feed not. Dost hate a medlar? Aye, though it look like thee. Ah, the hadst hated medlars sooner. Thou shouldst have loved thyself better now. What man didst thou ever know unthrift that was beloved after his means? Who without those means thou talkst of didst thou ever know beloved? Myself. I understand thee. Thou hadst some means to keep a dog. What things in the world canst thou nearest compare to thy flatterers? Woman nearest, but men. Men are the things themselves. What wouldst thou do with the world, Epimantus, if it lay in thy power? Give it to the beasts to be rid of the men. Wouldst thou have thyself fall in the confusion of men? And remain a beast with the beasts? Aye, Timon. A beastly ambition, which the gods grant thee to attain to. If thou wert the lion, the fox would beguile thee. If thou wert the lamb, the fox would eat thee. If thou wert the fox, the lion would suspect thee when peradventure thou wert accused by the ass. If thou wert the ass, thy dullness would torment thee. And still thou livest but as a breakfast to the wolf. If thou art the wolf, thy greediness would afflict thee, and oft thou shouldst hazard thy life for thy dinner. With other unicorn, pride and wrath would confound thee, and make thine own self the conquest of thy fury. What thou a bear, Thou wouldst be killed by the horse. Wert thou a horse, thou wouldst be seized by the leopard. Wert thou a leopard, thou wert German to the lion. And the spots of thy kindred were jurors on thy life. All thy safety were remotion and thy defense absence. What beast could thou be that were not subject to a beast? And what a beast art thou already that sees not thy loss in transformation? 
If thou couldst please me with speaking to me, thou mightst have hit upon it here. The commonwealth of Athens is become a forest of beasts. How has the ass broke the wall, that thou art out of the city? Yonder comes a poet and painter, the plague of company light upon thee. I will fear to catch it and give way. When I know not what else to do, I'll see thee again. When there is nothing living but thee, thou shalt be welcome. I'd rather be a beggar's dog than Appomantus. Thou art the cap of all the fools alive. Would thou wert clean enough to spit upon? <laughs> a plague on thee! Thou art too bad to curse. All villains that do stand by thee are pure. There is no leprosy but what thou speakst. If I name thee, I'll beat thee, but I should infect my hands. I would my tongue could rot them off. Away, thou issue of a mangy dog. Collar does kill me that thou art alive. I swoon to see thee. Would thou wouldst burst. Away, thou tedious rogue. I'm sorry I shall lose a stone by thee. Beast! Slave! Toad! Rogue! 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 I'm sick of this false world and would love naught but even the mere necessities upon Then, Timon, presently prepare thy grave. Lie where the light foam of the sea may beat thy gravestone daily. Make thine epitaph that death in me and others' lives may laugh. O oh, thou sweet king-killer and dear divorce twixt natural son and sire, thou bright defiler of Hymen's purest bed, thou valiant Mars, thou ever young, fresh, loved, and delicate wooer whose blush doth thaw the consecrated snow that lies on Diane's lap. Thou visible God that soldrest close impossibilities and makes them kiss, that speakst with every tongue to every purpose. Oh, thou touch of hearts. Think thy slave man rebels and by thy virtue set them into confounding odds that beasts may have the world in empire. Would twere so. But not till I am dead. I'll say thee hast gold. Thou will be thronged too shortly. Thronged too? Aye. Thy back, I prithee. Live and love thy misery. Long live so and so die. I am quit. More things like men. Eat, Timon, and abhor them. Exit, finally, Epimantus. Enter, bandits! <laughs> Where should he have this gold? It is some poor fragment, some slender ort of his remainder. The mere want of gold and the falling from of his friends drove him into this melancholy. Mm, it is a noise to have a mass of treasure. Let us make the assay upon him. If he care not for it, he will supply it easily. If he covetously reserve it, how shall he get it? True, for he bears it not about him, tis hid. Is not this he? Where? Ah, tis his description. 
He, I know him. Now, thieves! Oh, soldiers, not thieves. Both two, and women's sons. We are not thieves, but men that such to want. Your greatest want is you want much of meat. Why should you want? Behold, the earth hath roots. Within this mile break forth a hundred springs. The oaks bear mast, the briar scarlet hips. The bounteous housewife nature on each bush lays her full mess before you. Want? Why want? We cannot live on grass, on berries, water as, as beasts and birds and fishes. Nor on the beasts themselves, the birds and fishes. You must eat men. Yet thanks, I must you can, that you are thieves profess that you work not in holier shapes, for there is boundless theft in limited professions. Rascal thieves. Here's gold. Go, suck the subtle blood of the grape, till the high fever seethe your blood to froth and so scape hanging. Trust not the physician, his antidotes are poison, and he slays more than you rob. Take wealth and lives together. Do, villains, do, since you protest to do it like workmen. I'll example you with thievery. The sun's a thief, and with his great attraction robs the vast sea. The moon's an errant thief, and her pale fire she snatches from the sun. The sea's a thief, whose liquid surge resolves the moon into salt tears. Well, the earth's a thief, that feeds and breeds by a composture stolen from general excrement. Each thing's a thief. The laws your curb and whip, in their rough power, has unchecked theft. Love not yourselves. Away! Rob one another! There's more gold! Cut throats! All that you meet are thieves. To Athens go. Break open shops. Nothing can you steal, but thieves do lose it. Steal less for this I give you, and gold confound you howsoever. Amen has almost charmed me from my profession by persuading me to it. Tis in the malice of mankind that he thus advises us, not to have us thrive in our mystery. I'll believe him as an enemy and give over my trade. Let us first see peace in Athens. There is no time so miserable, but a man may be true. Exit thieves. Enter the steward, Flavius to Timon. Oh, you gods! Is yon despised and ruinous man, my lord, full of decay and failing? O oh, monument and wonder of good deeds evilly bestowed! What an alteration of honour has desperate want made! What viler thing upon the earth than friends who can bring noblest minds to basest ends! How rarely does it meet with this time's guise, when man was wished to love his enemies! Grant I may ever love and rather woo those that would mischief me than those that do. Has caught me in his eye. I will present my honest grief unto him, and as my lord, still serve him with my life. 
My dearest master? Away! What art thou? Uh, have you forgot me, sir? Why dost thou ask that? I've, I have forgot all men. And if thou grantst thou art a man, I have forgot thee. An honest poor servant of yours? Then I know thee not. I never had honest man about me. I all I kept were knaves to serve in meat to villains. The gods are witness, ne'er did poor steward wear a truer grief for his undone lord than mine eyes for you. What dost thou weep? Come nearer. Then I love thee, because thou art a woman, and disclaimst flinty mankind whose eyes do never give but thorough lust and laughter, pity sleeping. Strange times that weep with laughing, not with weeping. I beg of you to know me, good my lord, to accept my grief, and whilst this poor wealth lasts, to entertain me as your steward still. And I as steward so true, so just, and now so comfortable, it almost turns my dangerous nature wild. Let me behold thy face. Surely this man was born of woman. Forgive my general and acceptless rashness, you perpetual sober gods, I do proclaim one honest man. Mistake me not, but one. No more, I pray, and he's a steward. How fain I would have hated all mankind, and thou redeemst thyself. But all save thee, I fell with curses. Methinks thou art more honest now than wise, for by oppressing and betraying me thou mightst have sooner got another service. For many so arrive at second masters upon their first lord's neck. But tell me true, for I must never doubt, though ne'er so sure. Is not thy kindness subtle, covetous? If not a usuring kindness, and as rich men deal gifts, expecting in return twenty for one? No, my most worthy master, in whose breast doubt and suspicion, alas, are placed too late. You should have feared false times when you did feast. Suspicion still comes where an estate is leased. That which I show, heaven knows, is merely love, duty and zeal to your unmatched mind, care of your food and living, and believe it, my most honoured lord, for any benefit that points to me, either in hope or present, I'd exchange for this one wish, that you had power and wealth to requite me by making rich yourself. Look thee, tis so. A singly honest man, thou singer here, what? take the gods out of my misery have sent thee treasure. Go live rich and happy, but thus conditioned, thou shalt build from men. Hate all, curse all, and show charity to none, but let the famished flesh slide from the bone ere thou relieve the beggar. Give to dogs what thou deniest to men. Let prisons swallow em, debts wither em to nothing. Be men like blasted woods, 
and may diseases lick up their false blood, and so farewell and thrive. Oh, let me stay and comfort you, my master. If thou hatest curses, stay not. Fly while thou art blessed and free. Ne'er see thou man, and let me ne'er see thee. And easily convinced, apparently Flavius leaves. And that was the end of Act 4. Now for some ads. If you never want to hear ads in the middle of Partially Examined Life products, again, go sign up at partiallyexaminedlife.com slash support and get on our supporter feed. I recently had gallbladder surgery. When I went to my insurance's website to find a surgeon, I was given a myriad of available doctors, but no context for deciding which would be a good one other than the location and no sense of availability. Fortunately, I picked a good one, but it would have been nice to see some kind of rating, rankings, or feedback so I could make an informed choice. Now my wife needs to see an ENT. Fortunately, now I have ZocDoc. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. On ZocDoc, you can find every specialist under the sun, whether you're trying to straighten those teeth, fix an achy back, get that mole checked out, or, as in our case, have those sinus cavities explored. ZocDoc has you covered. ZocDoc's mobile app is as easy as ordering a ride to a restaurant or getting delivery to your house. Search, find, and book doctors with a few taps. The booking function is great, but the real value add is being able to read verified patient reviews from real people who make real appointments. Now, when you walk into that doctor's office, you're all set to see someone in your network who gets you. At ZocDoc.com, you can find the doctor that is right for you and book an appointment in person or remotely that works for your schedule. Go to ZocDoc.com P-E-L and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash P-E-L. ZocDoc dot com slash P-E-L. It can feel great to donate money and make a difference in someone else's life. But how can you feel confident that your donations are improving or saving lives effectively? You could do weeks of research to find charities, what programs they run, how effective those programs are, and how the charity might use your money. Or you could visit GiveWell.org. There you'll find free research and recommendations about the charities that can save or improve lives the most per dollar. GiveWell spends over 20,000 hours each year researching charitable organizations and only recommends a few of the highest impact, evidence-backed charities they've found. Over 50,000 donors have used GiveWell to donate more than $750 million. Rigorous evidence suggests that these donations will save tens of thousands of lives and improve the lives of millions more. And here's the best part. GiveWell is free. GiveWell wants to empower as many donors as possible to make informed decisions about their donations. They publish all of their research and recommendations on their site for free, no sign-up required. They allocate your tax-deductible donation to the charity you choose without taking a cut. I give to the Maximum Impact Fund at GiveWell. I like their approach of maximizing the impact of my donation and targeting to where it can do the most good. Give to GiveWell.org and pick podcast and enter the Partially Examined Life Philosophy podcast at checkout. Make sure they know that you heard about GiveWell from the Partially Examined Life Philosophy podcast. Again, that's GiveWell.org and enter the Partially Examined Life Philosophy podcast. 
Partially Examine Life Live is back and streaming for the first time. Our big episode 300 will be broadcast live from our YouTube channel on Friday, August 19th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Watching it is absolutely free. For more information, please see partiallyexaminelife.com slash P-E-L dash live. We're now Act 5, Scene 1. I guess some time has passed, and our old friends, the poet and painter, enter where Timon is, is uh, crouched in a hole. As I took note of the place, it cannot be far from where he abides. What's to be thought of him? Is that the rumor hold for true that he's so full of gold? Certain. Alcibiades reports it. Phrynia and Timandra had gold of him. He likewise enriched poor straggling soldiers with great quantity. Tis said he gave unto his steward a mighty sum. Then this breaking of his has been but a try for his friends? Nothing else. You shall see him a palm in Athens again, and flourish with the highest. Therefore tis not amiss we tender our loves to him in the supposed distress of his. It will show us honestly in us, and is very likely to load our purposes— with what they travail for, if it be a just and true report that goes of his having. What have you now to present unto him? Nothing at this time but my visitation. Only I will promise him an excellent peace. I must serve him so too. Tell him of an intent that's coming toward him. Good is the best. Promising is the very air of the time. It opens the eyes of expectation. Performance is ever the duller for his act, and but in the plainer and simpler kind of people the deed of saying is quite out of use. To promise is most courtly and fashionable. Performance is a kind of will or testament which argues a great sickness in his judgment that makes it. And there's Timon coming from his cave. Excellent workman! Thou canst not paint a man so bad as is thyself. Thinking what I shall say, I have provided for him. It must be a personating of himself, a satire against the softness of prosperity, with a discovery of the infinite flatteries that follow youth and opulence. Must thou needs stand for a villain in thine own work? Wilt thou whip thine own faults in other men? Do so, I have gold for thee. Nay, let's seek him. Then do we sin against our own estate, when we may profit meet and come too late. True. When the day serves before black-cornered night, find what thou wantst by free and offered light. Come. I'll meet you at the turn. What a god's gold, that he is worshipped in a baser temple than where swine feed. Tis thou that rigst the bark and plowst the foam, settlest admired reverence in a slave. To thee be worshipped. And thy saints, for I, be crowned with plagues that thee alone obey. Fit I meet them. Hail, worthy Timon. Our late noble master. Have I, have I once lived to see two honest men? Sir, having often of your open bounty tasted, hearing you were retired, your friends fallen off, whose thankless natured, oh, abhorred spirits, not all the whips of heaven are large enough. What's to you whose star-like nobleness gave life and influence to their whole being? 
I am wrapped and cannot cover the monstrous bulk of this ingratitude with any size of words. Let it go naked. Men may see it the better. You that are honest by being what you are make them best seen and known. He and myself have traveled in the great shower of your gifts and sweetly felt it. Aye, you are honest men. We are hither come to offer you our service. Most honest men, why, how shall I requite you? Can you eat roots and drink cold water? No. What we can do, we'll do to do in your service. You're honest men. I've heard that you have gold. I'm sure that you have. Speak truth. You're honest men. So it is said, my noble lord, but therefore came not my friend and I. Good, honest men, thou drawst a counterfeit, best in all Athens, thou art indeed the best, thou counterfeitest most lively. So, so, my lord. Even so, sir, as I say, and for thy fiction, why thy verse swells with stuff so fine and smooth that thou art even natural in thine art. But for all this... My honest-natured friends, I must needs say you have a little fault. Merit is not monstrous in you. Neither wish I you make much pains to mend. Beseech your honor to make it known to us. Uh, You'll take it ill. Most thankfully, my lord. Will you indeed? Doubt it not, my lord. There's never a one of you but trusts a knave that mightily deceives you. Do we, my lord? Aye, and you hear him cog, see him dissemble, know his gross patchery, love him, feed him, keep in your bosom, yet remain assured that he's a made-up villain. I know none such, my lord. Nor I. Look you, I I love you well. I'll give you gold. Rid me these villains from your companies. Hang them or stab them, drown them in a draft, confound them by some course, and come to me. I'll give you gold enough. Name them, my lord. Let's know them. You that way and you this, but two in company. Each man apart, all single and alone. Yet an arch villain keeps him company. If where thou art, two villains shall not be, come not near him. If thou wouldst not reside, but where one villain is, then him abandon. Hence, pack! There's gold! You came for gold, you slaves! You have work for me! There's payment! Hence! You're an alchemist! Make gold of that! Out, rascal dogs! The poet and painter exit, but here is the steward Flavius again, and two senators in tow. It is in vain that you would speak with Timon, for he is set so only to himself that nothing but himself which looks like man is friendly with him. Bring us to his cave. It is our part and promise to the Athenians to speak with Timon. At all times alike, men are not still the same. T'was time and griefs that framed him thus. Time with his fairer hand, offering the fortunes of his former days. The former man may make him. Bring us to him, and chance it as it may. Here is his cave. Peace and content be here. Lord Timon, Timon, look out and speak to friends. The Athenians, by two of their most irreverent senate, greet thee. Speak to them, noble Timon. Enter Timon out of his cave. 
Thou sun that comforts, burn. Speak and be hanged, for each true word a blister, and each false be as a cantharizing to the root of the tongue, consuming it with speaking. Worthy Timon. But none such as you, and you of Timon. The senators of Athens greet thee, Timon. I thank them, and would send them back the plague. Could I but catch it for them? Oh, forget what we are sorry for ourselves in thee. The senators, with one consent of love, entreat thee back to Athens, who have thought on special dignities which vacant lie for thy best use and wearing. They confess toward thee forgetfulness too general gross, which now the public body, which doth seldom play the recanter, feeling in itself a lack of Timon's aid, hath sense withal of it own fall, restraining aid to Timon, and send forth us to make their sorrowed render, together with a recompense more fruitful than their offense can weigh down by the dram. I, even such heaps and sums of love and wealth, as shall to thee blot out what wrongs were theirs, and write in thee the figures of their love, ever to read them shine. You witch me in it. Surprise me to the very brink of tears. Lend me a fool's heart and a woman's eyes, and I'll beweep these comforts, worthy senators. Therefore so please thee to return with us, and of our Athens, thine and ours, to take the captainship. Thou shalt be met with thanks, allowed with absolute power, and thy good name live with authority. So soon we shall drive back of Alcibiades the approaches wild, who, like a boar too savage, doth root up his country's peace. And shakes his threatening sword against the walls of Athens. Therefore, Timon... Well, sir, I will. Therefore, I will, sir, thus. If Alcibiades kill my countrymen, let Alcibiades know this of Timon, that Timon cares not. But if he sack fair Athens, and take our goodly aged men by the beards, giving our holy virgins to the stain of contumelious, beastly, mad-brained war, then let him know and tell him Timon speaks it. In pity of our aged and our youth, I cannot choose but tell him, I care not. And let him take that worst, for their knives care not while you have throats to answer. For myself there's not a whittle in the unruly camp, but I do prize it at my love before the reverence throat in Athens. So I leave you to the protection of the prosperous gods, as thieves to keepers. Stay not, all's in vain. Why, I was writing of my epitaph. It will be seen tomorrow. My long sickness of health and living now begins to mend, and nothing brings me all things. Go live still, be Alcibiades your plague, you his, and last so long enough. We speak in vain. But yet I love my country, and am not one that rejoices in the common wreck, as common brute doth put it. That's well spoke. Commend me to my loving countrymen. These words become your lips as they pass through them. 
and enter in our ears like great triumphers in their applauding gates. Commend me to them, and tell them that to ease them of their grief, their fears of hostile strokes, their aches, losses, their pangs of love, with other incident throes that nature's fragile vessel doth sustain in life's uncertain voyage, I will some kindness do them. I'll teach them to prevent wild Alcibiades' wrath. I like this well. He will return again. I have a tree which grows here in my clothes that mine own use invites me to cut down, and shortly I must fell it. Tell my friends, tell Athens, in the sequence of degree from high to low throughout, that whoso pleased to stop affliction, let him take his haste, come hither ere my tree hath felt the axe, and hang himself. I pray you, do my greeting. Trouble him no further, thus you still shall find him. Come not to me again, but say to Athens, Timon hath made his everlasting mansion upon the beached verge of the salt flood, who once a day with his embossed froth the turbulent surge shall cover. Thither come, and let my gravestone be your oracle. Lips, let four words go by, and language end. What is amiss, plague and infection mend. Graves only be men's works, and death their gain. Sun, hide thy beams. Timon hath done his reign. His discontents are unremovably coupled to nature. Our hope in him is dead. Let us return and strain what other means is left unto us in our dear peril. It requires swift foot. And the senators exit. And Timon exits into his cave, ne'er to be seen again. We're now in Act 5, Scene 2. Enter two other senators, different senators, with a messenger. <laughs> Thou hast painfully discovered. Are his files as full as thy report? I have spoke the least. Besides, his expedition promises present approach. We stand much hazard if they bring not Timon. I met a courier, one mine ancient friend, whom, though in general part we were opposed, yet our old love made a particular force and made us speak like friends. This man was riding from Alcibiades to Timon's cave with letters of entreaty which imported his fellowship in the cause against your city, in part for his sake moved. And now the two senators from the previous scene enter. Here come our brothers. No talk of Timon, nothing of him expect. The enemy's drum is heard and fearful scouring doth choke the air with dust. In and prepare. Ours is the fall, I fear, our foes the snare. They exit. And now, will Athens be overrun? Will they all be worm food? Let's see. We see a sole soldier in the woods seeking Timon. It is not Apomantus having joined the army, though his voice might sound similar. By all description, this should be the place. Who's here? Speak ho. 
No answer? What is this? Timon is dead. Who hath outstretched his span? Some beast read this. There does not live a man. Dead, sure, and this is grave. What's on this tomb? I cannot read. The character I'll take with wax. Our captain hath in every figure skill an aged interpreter, though young in days. Before proud Athens he sat down by this, whose fall the mark of his ambition is. He exits. It is scene four. The trumpet sound. Enter Alcibiades with his powers before Athens. Sound to this coward and lascivious town our terrible approach. Till now you have gone on and filled the time with our all licentious measure, making your wills the scope of justice. Till now myself and such, as slept within the shadow of your power, have wandered with our traversed arms and breathe our sufferance vainly. Now the time is flush, when crouching marrow in the bearer strong cries of itself, no more. Now breathless wrong shall sit and pant in your great chairs of ease, and Percy insolence shall break his wind with fear and horrid flight. Noble and young, when thy first griefs were but a mere conceit, ere thou hadst power or we had cause of fear, we sent to thee to give thy rages balm, to wipe out our ingratitude with loves above their quantity. So did we woo transformed Timon to our city's love by humble message and by promised means. We were not all unkind, nor all deserved the common stroke of war. These walls of ours were not erected by their hands from whom you have received your grief. Nor are they such that these great towers, trophies, and schools should fall for private faults in them. Nor are they living who were the motives that you first went out. Shame that they wanted cunning in excess hath broke their hearts. March, noble Lord, into our city with thy banners spread. By decimation and a tithed death, if thy revenges hunger for that food which nature loathes, take thou the distant tenth, and by the hazard of the spotted die, let die the spotted. All have not offended. For those that were, it is not square to take on those that are. Revenge. Crimes like lands are not inherited. Then, dear countrymen, bring in thy ranks, but leave without thy rage. Spare thy Athenian cradle and those kin, which in the bluster of thy wrath must fall with those that have offended. Like a shepherd, approach the fold and call the infected forth, but kill not altogether. What thou wilt, thou rather shalt enforce it with thy smile than hew to it with thy sword. Set but thy foot against our rampart gates, and they shall ope. So thou wilt send thy gentle heart before, to say thou'lt enter friendly. Throw thy glove, or any token of thine honor else, that thou wilt use the wars as thy redress, and not as our confusion. All thy powers shall make their harbor in our town till we have sealed thy full desire. Then there's my glove. Descend and open your uncharged ports. Those enemies of Timon and my own, whom you yourselves shall set out for reproof, fall in no more, and to atone your fears with my more noble meeting. Not a man shall pass his quarter or offend the stream of regular justice in your city bounds, 
but shall be remedied to your public laws at heaviest answer. Tis most nobly spoken. Descend, and keep your words. Enter a messenger. My noble general, Timon is dead, entombed upon the very hem of the sea, and on his gravestone this in sculpture, which with wax I brought away, whose soft impression interprets for my poor ignorance. Alcibiades is reading the epitaph, and we hear the voice of Timon. Here lies a wretched corpse, a wretched soul bereft. Seek not my name, a plague consume you, wicked Caitlas left. Here lie I, Timon, who alive all living men did hate. Pass by, and cursed I fill, but pass, and stay not here thy gate. These well express in thee thy latter spirits. Though thou abhorred'st in us our human griefs, scorn'st our brains flow, and those are droplets which from niggard nature fall, yet rich conceit taught thee to make vast Neptune weep for I on thy low grave, on fault forgiven. Dead is noble Timon, of whose memory hereafter more. Bring me into your city, and I will use the olive with my sword, make war breed peace, make peace stint war. Make each prescribe to other as each other's leech. Let our drums strike. And there's a dance number, and everyone comes out together and does the bowing and all that stuff. Thank you guys for doing this. That's the end of the play. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well done, everybody. That's it. Who wins? Thank you. You you do. You do. You you carried the heavy load on that one. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to get, for those of you that that we are not talking to later, to to get some impressions of what, what you thought of this thing that you've now sat here and read with us for three hours. Michael Black, do you want to start us? What did you think of all this? Not his best. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's very repetitive. There's just not a whole lot that happens in it. Look, I'd love to see it as a one act. A terrific little one act. Or perhaps a little more Alcibiades. (laughs) Maybe. Boost the (laughs) B-plot. There's just not a whole lot going on there. I mean, he's rich, he's poor, he's generous, he curses, and uh, we get all of it, but I would like there to be a bit more. I've seen a production done where they added some from Coriolanus to Alcibiades Hmm. and did beef up that side of things. Trimmed it down to make the two weave more together. Sarah, you you were pulled in rather at the last minute. Sarah Manton, had you had any experience with this? No, no, and I, um, my sister works for the RSC, I'm in the education department, and, and my uh, brother-in-law teaches Shakespeare, and I texted them both and was like, Tom, what's going on with this play? And they were like, oh, we don't go near that one. So it was, <laughs> it was funny. Um, I was interested in, um, I saw that Catherine Hunter did it. I was like, yes, like, what's going on with the women in this? Like, it's almost offensive, like, the women that are there, you know, and there's so much offensive stuff, and then there's no women. And Jonathan, I assume you saw Catherine Hunter do it. Yeah. Did it work better? 
it was a really interesting take. Although, you know, I mean, I think one of the keys to the play is precisely that there is so little love in it. The only love is the loyalty of Flavius. So I do think the absence of women is the key to what is rotten about Athens in this play. I'm sure we'll be talking about this next week. But uh, I think one of the questions about Timon is what's in it for him? Is it that he's incapable of love or is it that he's like repressed and gay? It's kind of interesting, isn't it, that Alcibiades, you philosophers know in Plato's Symposium, is kind of a big gay character. So that's something I'd be interested in talking about. Mm. Michael Toe, I didn't see you playing up Alcibiades' sexuality. There's no call in the script for that at all. <laughs> what, what, what did you think of this? Did you know anything about this coming in? No, I, as I meant to you offline, I, I'm not a Shakespeare person. So I, anytime I get to kind of explore, it's a complete learning process. I don't understand half of what's going on, but try to at least understand some of what I was saying. Two things to say to end. Remember, half of it is by Thomas Middleton. He's not quite as good as Shakespeare. And secondly, I do think, particularly in that long scene in the woods, there are some fantastic speeches. I mean, the read beautifully, I have to say. The one that always sticks in my mind, of course, is the one that Vladimir Nabokov thought was uh, one of Shakespeare's greatest speech, the one about everything's a thief, Thief, including the the, the moon with its pale fire. Right. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Sarah Lynn, we hadn't heard from you yet. What did you think of this whole thing? I think I agree with Michael. This is not his best. I've never read this one before. I don't know. It seems like the, an anti-1980s story mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, greed is bad, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but And Bill Humans, you were reading this, right? When I reached out to you, you said, is that coincidentally? Yeah, totally coincidentally. I'd never read it. It was, I guess, the last of the main canon the plays that I had never read. So I said, well, I guess I should read it. And then you reached out and said, hey, let's do this. And I was about halfway through by the time. Very cool. Well, damn. Any other thoughts? <laughs> Jay? Had you- I, saw it, I saw this twice. I okay. saw it 30 years ago. A fascinating production directed by Michael Langham from Stratford, Ontario, with Brian Bedford playing this role. And I, Bedford was an amazing Shakespearean actor. He was able to personalize it all so much and make it so simple. And then many years later, 10 years ago, I was about to do Titus Andronicus at the public when <laughs> it was when Timon was done just before us with uh, Richard Thomas and a friend of mm. mine directed it who we talked at length about the bringing Alcibiades forward because it's clearly a very flawed piece and I think you have to kind of cut it up and rearrange it if you're going to make it work but I agree there's some beautiful thoughts and sentiments for the difficulty with playing Timon is to find how do you get the subtleties of the changes in him obvious the first the giving to everyone in disbelief that people won't give back to him and that they're loathing him and then the vitriol but with all those beautiful speeches how to shade what he goes through and his choice mm-hmm. to, I mean, it's interesting because I was doing Titus, interesting the idea of invite them back again to another feast. And of course, at the time I saw it, I was preparing to f- feed Tamara's sons to her, <laughs> uh, which is a whole different kind of feast. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you're seeing the, and it was much earlier in, in Shakespeare's, they was from that Titus was very, very, very early. It was sort of like Chris Nolan doing the Batman trilogy 
Shakespeare took on, he said, oh, revenge tragedies? You like revenge tragedies? <laughs> and he wrote sort of the ultimate of that. But it was uh, fascinating to have one swimming in my head while I saw that other. But what a beautiful gift to be asked to swim through it and find those beautiful ponds of, of thought and poetry within this it's his glorious language, even even yeah. where it's too much, even where it's not working. It's a real gift. I'm I'm very glad you asked me to do it. Well, thanks, and definitely the high point for me was the last Appamantis and Timon back and forth where they're <laughs> mm-hmm. cursing yeah. each Hilarious. other. And yes. yeah, yeah. Any other thoughts before we get out of here? I'll put in a plug for the BBC performance. I think it's from 1981, but it has Jonathan Price as Timon. Oof. Oh, oh cool. right. Um, which yeah. is very cool. Yeah, it'd be great fun to go back and, and watch again now, having picked our way through it once. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, as people have said, it's there's a lot of beautiful language as a play, as something, as a plot. It's incomplete. I mean, I, I think it's clearly a rough draft. And so I read it that way. Hey, this is really interesting to be able to get to read a, a rough draft yeah. by Shakespeare. I'm- Interestingly, um, Michael Langham did his production it had been a big hit in Stratford and then brought it down to New York when I saw it. But he did it all to the music of Duke Ellington. <laughs> wow. And it, and it really gave it a, a world and a flavor. And, a, and it wasn't modern, you know, it was, it was still Athens and all, but it was fascinating to see those things running together. Hmm. At the party, I was picturing the cantina band doing the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, the other thing is that in, in playing time, and once you get into it and start writing it, you go, I better keep moving through this. <laughs> you know, because you break it up too much and people will just be way out. Instead of you, you're hoping that people will at, will at least be fascinated by the thoughts that he's putting out there. So it's a lot of time and... Yeah, <laughs> all time in, all the time, time and time and again. <laughs> yes. That's what it's call often it. uh, the play is often compared to King Lear in structure. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, yeah. he's very angry and he goes out onto the heath essentially. But in, you can see that kind of it doesn't go where Lear does. He doesn't have the sort of transcendent breakthrough that Lear has, mm-hmm. and he yeah. doesn't break through to love of Cordelia. Right. But it, it's kind of a similar in sketch, and as Jay said, you know, mm. some of the, those speeches at the end are just titanic. It's just mm. phenomenal. Mm. Yeah. I'll probably save this for the follow-up discussion, but you see when he leaves and he goes into the woods, it's almost like he becomes Diogenes the Cynic. So he's talking, looking yep. for an honest man. He's talking about the dogs. He's living in a hole, right? which points you in a completely different trajectory than obviously King Lear. There's no redemption to be found in that character. And we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll try parsing those speeches for whatever we can know about the philosophers, the cynical school, because that is a school of which there are no extant texts. So like all we know are just these stories about Diogenes roaming the streets and, you know, a few things like that. So we can probably even for our discussion, read what little bit there is about that. Thanks for everybody. Thanks, everyone. Yes. Thanks, Thanks, you guys. Yes. Thank you for all of those. This is fun. Thank you, listeners. So long. Good night, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Nice to meet you, Jonathan. Thanks, everybody.